Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Good morning. How are y'all? Beautiful day. Last Sunday in August. Y'all ready for fall, y'all? It'll be falling. Amen. Y'all love the word still? Can we still use the same book? Or you got, did you graduate something else? There's a man in heaven. I didn't know him personally, but I knew him of him. At a church of a thousand plus in this state, actually. One Sunday, got up and said, God speaks to Revelation through me now. This is good as a beginner book. We'll go, we'll, we'll go back and adhere to it from time to time, but now God will speak it through me. I don't know what happened. All I knew was two weeks later, he was gone. That's what you call off. Yeah. What do you think? Um, let's go to Romans chapter 10. I want to uh, <clears throat> speak some things I hope that's familiar to you, but uh, to further establish some things in our heart. The reason why that is, things will always happen in life and to you that. Uh, Try to knock you off your stand. Uh-huh. Uh, this week, particularly, uh, this, uh, well, this entire week, and I love this time of year. Um, <clears throat> I've had lots of questions about this, and I was uh, getting uh, text in this week and, and uh, from people I haven't seen or heard from in years. And uh, they're, they just have all these questions. And the question is because of, you, you may be aware or not aware that uh, there's a lot going out that Jesus is coming back next month. And uh, he's not only come back next month, he's come back September 23rd. And uh, now you may think that's funny, but you haven't sat in one of the meetings to know why they say that. When you, if you sat in the meeting, you'd say, yeah, I see that. Because it, you know, but you could go back to any book that's ever been written. See, this really started in the in the mid 1800s, where there were predictions of this is the time, this is the exact date, this is when it's going to happen, and all the information concerned uh, concerning Revelation of what they were saying seemed to be very pertinent. Here's the real deal. I know when he's coming back. When he does, <laughs> that's when he's coming back. Uh, theology would argue at this point. Well, even Jesus doesn't know. Well, that's what he said. That's right. But we are to be aware. We are to know. We know, understand, discern the times and the seasons which we're in. Yes. Uh, certainly, if you um, just live in life, and if you've got a TV, you know that uh, life and it, f- forget the prophetical part in in the sense of from from the old covenant to the new covenant that gives us uh, indications of what happens and how it happens and how how it uh, 
then you go into the scientific part of what's happening with uh, in space and moons and blood moons and all the things. And there's you, you could go on and on and on and on and on forever. Uh, but Jesus told us to be looking and be and to be ready. Right. So so one one young man I was speaking with this week. Uh, you know, I, I said, well, here's the deal. I said, um, you know, because there's apprehension that uh, the reason why you have apprehension is because you're afraid if he comes, you're not going. If you're ready to go. If you have an all expense paid trip to uh, Hawaii and someone's going to pick up the total bill and this in this uh, September 23rd or tomorrow, do you feel anxious? Maybe happy, anxious, right? But are you worried about it? No, you're happy about it, right? But if you're not sure, for whatever reason you're not sure of, that caused you to be over anxious, then, then it might cause some apprehension. Well, here's the thing. Uh, don't be ready on September 23rd. Be ready right now. And it's, and it's real easy. And so with a, a few of these people, they said, I said, well, you, you're a believer, aren't you? Well, best I know. I said, well, no, no, I didn't ask you that. I said, well, I'm just telling you what, what was said. I said, well, you're a believer, the best I know, but how do I know if I'm a believer? That's getting deep, isn't it? <laughs> how do I know if I believe? They said, well, what, am I, what if I have a bad heart? And I'm trying to believe out of this heart. I said, well, how did it get bad? Well, I'm not sure about that. Well, if I'm not hot or cold, I'm lukewarm. I said, are you? Well, I'm not sure. Hmm? Well, now, here's the person that's scared of September 23rd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the believer, there's nothing to fear. It's nothing but good news from here all the way on out. Amen? Amen. I want to... Uh, I want to deal with this just a little bit because if I get some of these questions, you're going to get some of these questions. And for people who don't know Jesus, they need, they need, to, they need to know Jesus. They need to be born again, right? But for believers to be unsettled about where they are with God, then uh, that's not someone who's going to disciple someone else. huh? I mean, if, if, if you're giving me directions from here to clear and you ain't sure on it, I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> I mean, do you think, I think it's, I think it's, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, uh, anybody else know where, know where clear is that, right? <laughs> uh, that's, that's who you want to listen to. Romans chapter 10, you ready? Yes. Verse 1. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So what's the will of God? Be saved. Be saved. Paul says, for I bear them record that they have, these people have a zeal for God. But their zeals are not what? It's not according to knowledge. In other words, they're zealous, but their zeal is not based in any type or it has no foundation in knowledge. For they being ignorant or not knowing of God's righteousness, they go about to establish their own righteousness. Having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now let's just do some basic work. So he said here, Christ, Jesus, uh, was the end of the law. What's the law? Ten commandments. Then there's at least 613 other type commandments, some of them which you might call ceremonial type commandments. But Christ is the end of the Ten Commandments. I don't know how many times I can say that. 
Christ is the end right. of the Ten Commandments. Right. We need the Ten Commandments. Christ is the end of what you need. That's right. What you need is Christ, Amen. not commandments. Right. Right. You don't need ten ways to do one thing. That's right. Right. Hmm? That's right. if, it's, if it's love, you fulfill all ten. If you have the love of God shed abroad in your heart, you don't need a commandment that tells you don't steal and don't kill. Right? right? If the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, you don't need a commandment. I mean, if I have to end the service and say, now, Lord, go with me to go and please help no one rob Shell on the way out. You know, and don't, you know, don't rob Jacks on the way out of here. <clears throat> well, then we're in a poor shape. Yes. Christ is what? He's the end of the law. Now, we won't go there today, but the purpose of the law was to reveal us, our, our nature, yes. which was corrupt. Yes. God gave us his righteous standard, which is so holy, that when we saw God's standard, we thought, who in the world can keep that? Here's the answer, nobody. No human has ever kept the law. None. There's, there's never been a man, woman alive, even though some think they do it. There's never been a person alive who's, who has kept all the law all the time. No one. Moses couldn't do it. Uh, Paul didn't do it. Certainly, he was Saul before he's Paul. I know he didn't do it. No one has ever kept all the law. None of the disciples, the apostles, none of them kept the law. There was a time that Paul had to chastise Peter for his bad doctrine. That's right. And uh, so no one's kept all the law. So Romans 3 says, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. James said... If you want to live by the law, then you got to know this. God will let you live by the law, but you got to keep all the law. But if you fail in any part of the law, if there's one thing that you fail, if there's one commandment you miss, if there's one out of the 10 or one out of the 613 that you miss, you're now guilty of every law. In other words, you, you, you might have just exaggerated what you're seeing. Some say, huh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Right? You, know, you, you thought I was going to say shoot somebody. No, well, that's, that, that's a law too. If you, if, if you indulge in overeating, uh-oh, we're in the south. Huh? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> gluttony uh, was put in there with some of the biggest sins that there were. So if, if, you, if you indulge in, in that sort of thing, then you are also uh, a homosexual. You're guilty of that law. You said, I'm, I'm not that. You're also a murderer. You're also a liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? So if, if you're going to live by the law, then you've got to keep all the law. If you break one law, then you're guilty of have broken all the law. Okay? Don't raise your hand. Has anyone ever exceeded the speed limit since you've carried a license? Well, I can answer for you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Have you underspeeded? Not so much. <laughs> right? So you're guilty of all the law. Hmm? So who can keep the law? No one. Did, did God know this? Absolutely. What was the purpose of the law? To show you that you couldn't. So that you would say, I would need some help. And your help would be the Savior. So if you don't accept the sacrifice you paid for all sins, see, so, 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 there's a payment. Right. Yeah. Mankind, humanity has a payment. Yeah. 
and someone has to meet the payment. And Christ met the payment. But if you don't accept the one who made the payment, then you go pay. Right. Now, I always said, y'all look like a smart bunch. Either he pays or you pay. He paid. Yeah. And he paid it all. Yes. Right? right? Now, uh, so here he said, they're, they're the end, or Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, everyone that believes. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does the things shall live by them. So that's what Moses said. He said, the one, the righteousness which came by the law is that the man which does these things lives by them. But the righteousness, now here's the contrast, but, here, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh you. Where is it at? It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That's the word of faith which we, that which we preach. That if thou, you will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, is, is this a scripture that you would uh, use for, to pray salvation for someone? I would. Yes. Well, let's, let's examine it. How are you saved? See if it resembles most altar calls. Here's how you saved. That if you confess with thy mouth what? Jesus. The Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess every one of your sins. Oh, well, that's not in there. Where, where, where's confessing sins? It's got to be in there. That's how you get saved. I mean, this is how you get saved. You've got to confess every one of them. Oh, it's not in there. Right? So you're saved how? There's something... With the mouth you confess the Lord, and what do you believe? You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Next verse. For with the heart man believes unto what? Righteousness, Righteousness and with your mouth confession is made to salvation. In Acts chapter 16, we won't go there, but Paul and Silas was in prison at a midnight hour after having been beaten. Right? And they begin to sing praises unto God at midnight. Actually midnight. They could have been complaining. Yes. We came down here, we did what God told us to do, we preached the gospel, and here they beat us like, you know. And, and, uh, but they were praising God. And we know what happened. The prison began to shake. And all the doors opened and the chains fell off. And the guard who's supposed to be guarding all the prisoners knew that they're going to all escape. And if they escape, I'm good as dead. So he just drew out his sword to kill himself. Paul said, do yourself no harm. And that prisoner, having seen all this, and seeing their response and Paul's response, he says, man, what must I do to be saved? Now, how Paul answers that question is very important, right? He asked Paul in Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, Paul said what? Same thing. He says, confess Jesus as Lord, believe Jesus as Lord, and you and your household should be saved. Amen. You know one, one reason why that you uh, can't confess all your sins? You don't know all of them. <laughs> right? And the other reason, that's not your sin. J John 16 tells us the sin that sends anyone to damnation. And that is they did not believe on Jesus. Right. So not sins, sin. The sin that would send anyone to hell is not the plurality of sins, the carrying out of a sin. Well, I stole this or I did this or I... No, the sin is not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you do believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that is called the righteousness which is of faith, not the righteousness of keeping laws. 
That's called relationship. If you're just keeping a set of moral codes and behavior, that's not relationship. That's just rules and regulations. God didn't want Donald to group people to have that type of relationship with them. So I, I just want to uh, I want to give you a lot of stuff, but I'm going to give it to you in a short period of time and just kind of just do a little tune up here. Uh, so um, uh, Matthew six twenty two. you don't have to turn this as if your eye, your spiritual vision by single is single, the whole body should be full of light. But if your eye be evil, then the whole body should be full of darkness. And when you're full of light, you see, then whatever it is that you have need of, if it's healing, you see, it's available. Darkness cannot extinguish the truth. Amen. Darkness can never overpower light. It's impossible. You can be in a dungeon and strike a match, and the most distinguishing thing in the room is the light that's in the room. You cannot, you cannot have a room full of light, of natural light coming in. We always say, go to the hardware store and buy some dark D-A-R-K bulbs to put the light out. Can't do it. But you can go to a pitch dark room if there's electricity. You can put some light bulbs in and the light will overpower the dark. How you position yourself, how you position yourself in the righteousness of God will determine anything that you're going to do in God's kingdom. Go to, uh, well, just stay right here. Now, watch here what Paul said. He said, I bear them record that Israel has a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. He said, because they're going about to establish, the Amplified says, for being ignorant of the righteousness that God ascribes, which makes one acceptable to him in word, thought, and deed, seeking to establish a means of salvation on their own, they did not obey or submit themselves to God's righteousness. So <clears throat> did you know the church by and large still does that? I don't know any church that preaches just all law. There's probably a few, but most churches don't preach just all law. They preach grace, a measure of grace, and then they put a measure of law in there. The purpose for the measure of law is to keep people in check. In other words, this is the guideline and you better stay in it because God's watching and keeping numbers. He's writing things down. That's just to keep... You know, it's, it's like if you have farm animals and you're on the farm and you put a little electric wire down there. That's if the, the cow or the horse or whatever, you know, thinks about straddling the fence or you know, that, that little electrical current, you know, to the head or neck, wherever it's going to go to, change is, hopefully changes their mind, right? Yeah. That's the purpose of how a lot of times ministers use the old, the old covenant and they bring it into the new covenant is to give you a little shock treatment. Put, make hell just so hot enough to where he's like, I better back off from that. And, and so Christ is the end of the electrical fence. Yes. Amen. Hmm? And so we don't want to just, we don't, we, we don't want to just preach the truth, but the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Why don't we want to preach the truth? Because we're afraid that if we just preach the truth, then, then mankind would just go out and do something and they'll just get wild and, you know, they'll just be, they'll be hell bound. I, I don't know why we think that. The, the gospel is the power of God to save you. The truth is, right? I always said this way, if the state trooper pulls you over going 80 and gives you a warning and not a ticket, does that make you want to scratch your wheels off and throw dirt in his windshield as you call off? Aren't you just very thankful? 
you know, at 100 miles an hour, they don't, they don't give you a ticket. They take you straight to jail and, and, and take your car. How do I know? No, I, I didn't do that. But, but I understand at 100, you go straight to jail. <laughs> That's why if you got to go fast, just stay at 99, you know. Okay, here we go. So a Christian, as a Christian, you, can't, you don't gradually become righteous. It's not a gradual process. This is not, you, you don't grow into righteousness. You don't, you don't become righteous by degrees. You, you won't be righteous a little bit more Sunday. If Jesus comes on September 23rd next month, like some believe, when you get to heaven and when you walk through the front door, you will not get an upgrade. The righteousness which is in your spirit now, not, a, not necessarily in your soul, definitely not in a body, uh, it, it, it will not get an upgrade. So you never come uh, more righteous by degrees. The scripture says we have been given the gift of righteousness. If you've been given the gift of righteousness, that means it belonged to someone before they gave it to you. The gift of righteousness came by Jesus Christ. In the person of Jesus Christ, it came through the new birth. Now, here's the deal. You can actually become in your consciousness. In other words, you could, you could behave more righteous in six months, but you won't be any more righteous in six months. As you study the Word and as you know of the knowledge of the Word of God, of who you are in Christ and of His righteousness, as you're educated and you know more of that, you'll, you, you may have more righteous behavior, but you're not becoming any more righteous. In other words, I could go to the gym and get all bulked and I can go do all this and I can look like, you know, whatever. And, and then you can say, well, he's turned into a man. <laughs> but since 19, January the 9th, 1962, that's what they declared on the birth certificate. 55, you won't know what it is. So anyway, well, you know, I could be more hulkish. Probably couldn't at this age, but anyway, just, you know, we're just preaching right now. But if I wanted to develop, you know, all the whatever, uh, like Roger sent me a thing one time, you know, if I want that ab pack, all you got to do is, man, all you got to do is walk, take your shirt off and walk up to a fence, a chain link fence and push your stomach against it and you'll, you'll have just that fast. I thought, now that's how I do it right there. <laughs> While y'all at the gym, I'll be doing something else. I'm going to park occasionally. <laughs> Get someone to take a little pen. It's like, see, I did it. <laughs> Every Christian has a divine nature of Christ within them. So how can you get holier than that? Hmm? When we focus on behavior, we're living as a legalistic, performance-based kind of a Christian life. When you're focusing on the behavior. Listen, Paul never said for me to live is to live like Christ. That's not a scripture. Now, did you hear what I said? Paul never said for me to live is for me to live like Christ. Paul said, I mean, that sounds like a worthy goal, doesn't it? Yes. Paul didn't say, or, but here's what Paul did say. He said, for me to live is Christ, not to live like him. For me to live is Christ, not to live like him. It's not a, an imitation of the life of Jesus it is the actual expression of his life because your nature is in him. Amen. I know, I know this is simple, but I want it simple. Yes. I want it simple because as many phone calls and texts as I get about three and a half weeks from now means that this has not been simple enough. Hmm? And it needs to be very simple. 
So, so, so some of the best teachers, you want to find some of the best teachers in the church, uh, uh, go get the children's ministers. Because they have to relate everything to a child. Right. And they're some of the greatest teachers of the Word of God if they're, if they're students of the Word. Yes. I mean, if you're teaching children's ministry and you're, and, you're, and you're up here, and you see what I'm saying? So you, you make it as simple and as practical to life as you can possibly get it. And that's always been true. The children's ministers didn't have to be that, but they're, they're, they're some of the greatest teachers that God can ever use. Yeah, that's right. This gives the sense that they understand, how do, I, how do I illustrate this? How do I bring it at a very elementary level to where we can just grab it and say, this, I can make that mine. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Yes. Amen. Amen. I mean, I, I hear the kids all the time, and, and I hear um, Lexi, because she's with us all the time, she's saying this is this, and and they taught this and said this and I got this and here's what we did and all that. And it's never so. She hardly ever comes home and says, I don't understand this. One time, a while back when they were being encouraged to be filled with the Spirit and speaking other tongues, she came home one time and she said, I don't think I can do that. I said, why? She said, I don't know Spanish. <laughs> I said, but you might next week. <laughs> The class continues. She don't know Spanish, so I can't talk in that tongue thing. <laughs> so we're, we're, not to, we're not to live. And uh, mm, <laughs> I don't know if y'all are the Spanish teachers or someone else. But he wants us to be established in your righteousness. Amen. You know, we need to be so established in righteousness. Wow. That nothing can shake you from it. That's right. That's right. You know, we, uh, established means to, to be firm or secure, to establish beyond doubt, to bring something about permanently. Yes. You know, uh, not what some people call permanently. I mean, a lot of women, when they get their hair done, they're going to get permanent. I've never understood that because they've never been permanent. Because two months later, they're getting another permanent. I said, I want you to just say, y'all going to go get a temporary. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you, you want a hundred more dollars to do another temporary. Yeah. If it's permanent, we threw. Yeah, but what do I know? I don't know anything. <laughs> See, they some men know what I'm talking about. I said, How do you, why do y'all call it a permanent? It's not. It, is, it, is it not a temporary? If you've got to go back every week or every two weeks, how can that be permanent? I mean, even when they give you a license, they tell you, now this ain't good forever. That's good for four years. That's temporary, right? right. <clears throat> the reason why that is because uh, if you live long enough, your face will change <laughs> and your body. Yes. And they need something that resembles. So if a police pulls you over, he tries to find you in that picture somehow. <laughs> but if you got it at 16 and you're and you 106, we're we not real sure. <laughs> <laughs> we need some updates. <laughs> Your life is not built on values. Good to have them. But that's not the Christian goal is to live a life of values. Christian or otherwise. Hmm? Your life is Christ. Why? Because you aren't alive. <laughs> you ever got that? Did you, did you know that you're called to be dead? Hmm? You say, well, that just bothers me. It's, well, it just bothers me because you're, you're not dead yet. <laughs> well, when they said that, I tell you what I got. That's because you're not dead. Yeah. 
You ain't died yet. You're still kicking. If you were a fish, we just need to hold you out of the water a little bit longer. <laughs> You'll stop all that nonsense after a while. Hmm? So your life is Christ. You don't have a life. People say, well, this is my life. No, it's not. You bought with a price. You don't have a life. Actually, we own nothing. Your body, if you're a Christian, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Well, this is my body. I'm good. I want to. You don't own yourself. You don't own your body. You own nothing. You're as rich as Christ, but, but you're as poor as a pauper. You own nothing. God doesn't need anything that you have. He doesn't bring anything when you leave this earth. Have you ever seen a Christian take anything to heaven? I mean, a clue is when a person leaves, they don't take their body. That should be a clue. <laughs> when they're gone and their body's here, that should be a big clue. When you go back to their home and start having to sort things out to whatever you're going to do with them and all of it's there. You know, if God doesn't take your deodorant, he probably doesn't need it. If your socks are still in the drawer, it's a clue that there's about to be a change. One is taking place, right? <clears throat> And when you can't take your, your pocket knife with you, he just don't need any of that. So your life is Christ. As we abide in him, his righteousness is expressed through your lifestyle. As you abide in him, his righteousness is expressed through you. And it, then, it, then it comes to your lifestyle, not you having Christian values. The Bible says apart from him, we can do nothing. Not little, nothing. But we're not apart from him. So we, we, we can preach and teach and witness and give and do a hundred things, but they all add up to zero in God's eyes without him. Amen. So the gift of righteousness means this. I am standing right with God. Amen. This part I know that you know, but I wanted to get this. If, 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 if Jesus has ever lived in your heart, you are standing right with God. You have a right standing. You are justified. Amen. Justified. Which means you have been declared you are not guilty. If Jesus comes tonight, much less September 23rd, you are not guilty. Your spirit is sealed with him. Holy Spirit jumped on the inside and he put that zipper and no one's going to open it up. You say, yeah, but I've made some mistakes since then. Yes, the outer man did, but not the inner man. Your spirit has never been involved in any sin since you have accepted Jesus. Your spirit refuses to do that because your spirit is his spirit. Huh? You have become one spirit with him. And Jesus has never got involved in that sin that you do with your hands or your eyes. Because this is an inside out job. Hmm? See, the problem is it don't work this way in life. So we have a hard time with it. You don't work at Grace Incorporated. Just don't, don't show up for work on time three times, you out. Yep. Right? right? They don't pay you for not showing up. Right? And that doesn't make Christian life sloppy. I, I'm not talking about a sloppy life. I'm talking about we, we, we do everything by I do this, I get this. This means this. If I do this, this, and this, then this happens. Then you come into, you, you come into a relationship with Christ and you realize it's not based on you. Right. It's based totally on Him. Well, let me ask you this way. What, other, than, other than belief, just simply believed in Christ, which is how you became born again and saved, right? right. And righteous, right? right? Other than that belief, what did you do to become righteous? Does everyone agree nothing? Yeah. Yes. Is your righteous of anything that you've done? No. 
So you didn't gain, did you get an upgrade of righteousness since you've done some good things? No. Well, then if you do something bad, how did you lose it? If you did nothing good to get it, then if you make a mistake, how did you lose it? You did, you did nothing to get it. This, this, and this, and this, and this, plus Jesus didn't add up to, to your righteousness. So your three things that happened to you this week didn't take it away. You see, because if it is, then why did he call it the gift of righteousness? Because if you had to work for it, he couldn't call it a gift. Right? Grace couldn't be unmerited favor if you had a merit it. It'd be called merited favor. Not unmerited favor. Is this simple enough? I mean, I can make it simpler if I need to. I mean, I can make it real so simple. It's just very simple. Here's the simple as I can make it. Jesus plus anything else we do equals nothing. Jesus plus any of your effort. Jesus plus I got to do this, this, and this. Jesus plus I got to show up and do this. Now, when I say do things that are good, I'm not saying don't do things that are good. I'm saying that's, that's the fruit of the nature in you. It's not the root of it. See, when the, when, when the, when the root's in the ground, there ought to be fruit. But the fruit or the doing or the works are not the implication of now you have become this. Hmm? See, so we're going to see the fruit if the root's right. If the right seed's been put in, we're going to see the fruit of that seed. I don't have to be with you when you planted your garden to know what you planted. All I got is go show up a couple, few weeks later and I'll know what you planted. I don't have to be there when you dissed the rose and put the seed in, watered it, and all that. I'll just come two months later and say, Yeah, he planted corn. The fruit will tell what the root is. That's right. What, what you're rooted in. I'll know your seed by looking at your fruit. I think there's a scripture that talks about that somewhere. Jesus says something very similar to that. So all this adds up to zero. The gift of righteousness gives you personal, permanent, unconditional, irreversible, right standing with God. The gift does. Someone said this to me this week, they said, well, but how do I know I'm okay with God? Because I don't have no feeling. I'm thinking, I do a lot of stuff with no feelings. That's right. Don't you? Have, has anyone ever went to work on Monday and you didn't have that go to Monday morning work feeling? <laughs> feelings. You know that song? Nothing more than feelings. I'm about to break out my singing ministry, I think. <laughs> hmm? that, that would be the, same, uh, the, the theme song with the church, feelings. So we, we do a lot of things apart from feelings because we just, it's the thing to do, right? So we have, what does right standing mean? It means this, there's nothing between you and the Father because you're right with God. Your, your spirit is right. See, that's you. You have to understand spirit, soul, and body because if you don't, you just understand everything that's going on. Spirit, you'll, just, you'll take the whole three part of man and you'll say that's you. The real you is in here. And when you leave this earth, that's the only part of you that's going. Right? Right? Your heart's smart. If Jesus is 100% righteous, you're not 99%. You're, 
You're, you're 100% as righteous. Why? Because he gave you not righteousness. He gave you his righteousness. That's right. If you give me your car, I got your car. If you give me a car, then I got a car that you gave me. That's not your car. But if you give me your car, it's your car. And now it's not your car. <laughs> right? So we've been given his righteousness. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. So how you position yourself in life will be based on how it goes with you in the kingdom. You're righteous all the time. So even if I fly off the handle and I say, well, this and I do whatever. Now, my wife may throw a, fire, a frying pan in me. You know, she, she might bump me in the head. I don't know. Hope she don't. But I'm just saying, but, but it does not do away with my righteousness in the kingdom. I'm still right with God. So righteous means there's nothing between me and the Father. There's no discord. There's nothing separating us. The question is, does the Father, here's the question, does the Father have problems with his Son? Does the Father have any qualms with his Son Jesus? Is there any conflict between the Father and the Son? Because I'm, I'm righteous as he is. So there's no conflict with you and him. If there's a conflict between the Father and the Son, then there's conflict with you. So here we are in Christ. That's what happened to us on the cross. You become one with him as close as the Father is to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Awake to righteousness and sin not. The church says, don't sin and then you'll awake to righteousness. But they got it backwards. Awake to your righteousness, awake to your right standing with God, and then you'll be empowered not to sin. The, sin, the church would say, quit sinning so you could become righteous. Jesus would not agree with any of that. He says, you are the righteous of God as you have believed upon me. Now you have the power to go and sin not. The woman caught with the act of adultery, she had, legally she was to be stoned. They asked Jesus, what, what, what did he say about this? And he said, those with you without sin then cast the first stone. Well, no one could cast the first stone. Then Jesus said to the woman, he said, where are your accusers? She said, there's none, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. He gave her the gift of righteousness. He gave her grace that she did not deserve. He gave her mercy she did not deserve. He said, now go take this gift and you'll, you'll be able to not sin anymore. Amen. To not sin anymore, he, needed, he had to give her a gift. And that he had to enable her to do it. Right. Grace is the ability of God not to look over your mess, but to bring you out of your mess. Right. Did you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Well, I feel like I'm gonna, I've done some things. I think I'm falling from grace. Falling from grace is not you sinning. Falling from grace is coming out of your ability to keep yourself in a position. And in other words, you manage yourself. Falling out of grace is, is now trusting in you for this relationship. And you go back into the law. You go back into performance mode. That's called falling from grace. Not losing your salvation. And what I'm trying to say is your, God's grip on you is greater than your grip on him. God's hold on you is secure when you feel like you've slipped and, and have fallen. Is this good news? My failures don't make me unrighteous nor disqualify me. My good works don't qualify me either. I'm righteous because of Jesus. I live by relying upon Jesus as my righteousness. So I live free from pride. Also live now free from condemnation. 
I don't try to do things in my strength anymore. I rely on Jesus moment by moment. Uh, are you still in Romans 10? Amen. Go over one page of Romans chapter 11 if you've got a turn. Let me see how simple I can make this. Romans 11. Let me just read the Bible. That'd be okay? Yeah. Can I read the Bible in church? Verse 6. Paul said, if it's by grace, then it's no more of what? Work. If it's by grace, then it's not of works. Otherwise, grace is not more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Let me see if I can make it simpler. I read the Amplified. This is the female version. For if it's by grace, he uses a few more words, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Who was that telling me the, the, the little story, joke about the, oh, it's Matt. Matt Matt's went to take Emily to Oklahoma today. Um, Matt was telling me last week, he said they said that men use 15,000 words a day and women use 30,000. And the woman said, that's because I have to tell you everything to do twice. <laughs> so there might be some logic in that, I don't know. <laughs> it's actually that we may not have heard it. It's just we weren't selecting to hear all those words. So. Yeah, so probably she doesn't want to have to talk that much anyway. It's just her audience probably needs a little help. Verse 6 amplifies, if it's by grace, his unmerited favor and gracious, graciousness is no longer conditioned on works. Are we showing that? Oh, yeah, look here. If you don't have amplified, look at this. So if it's by grace, then his, it's his unmerited favor and graciousness. Graciousness is no longer conditioned on works or anything, anything, anything men have done. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. It would be meaningless. So you're right standing with God. Is it conditioned on anything you've done? That's, that's my question to you. Is, is your right standing with God, which is a good standing, as righteous as Jesus is, is it based on anything you've done good? So how do you lose it by anything that you didn't do that was so good? You didn't get it that way. Well, He's coming back for church without spot or wrinkle. Well, leave that up there. Now, what spot or wrinkles? I mean, I had to iron this shirt, or my wife ironed this shirt for me this morning. You know why? Had wrinkles. But the more I go on with life, if I keep it on today, guess what's going to develop in it? So he can come back for this shirt. <laughs> it's going to have some wrinkles in it, right? So if, if, that's, if that's moral behavior, if that's people who have no sin in their life, you, you, you understand that, that we didn't need Jesus come to be forgiven of sin? In the sense of this, there was already a method for forgiveness of sin on the Old Covenant. It just took the blood of bulls and goats. That's how men receive forgiveness of sin, right? They come at least annually. Bring a, a perfect sacrifice as perfect as they get without. I mean, you, you couldn't bring a, a lamb with a gimpy leg and say, well, you just go ahead and take him. He ain't worth nothing anyway. Now, it had to be your best, right? As a type and shadow of Christ to come, the perfect sacrifice. 
So there was a method for forgiveness of sins under the old covenant. So they had forgiveness then. Right? Now, let me ask you this. After that annual come together, bringing of the sacrifice, did men sin some the next day or the next month? Yeah. Yes. yes it's, did that do it again? Have you ever met a Christian who hasn't sinned since they've been a believer? Uh-huh. Do y'all know anyone? Uh-huh. I'd like to meet them. If you know anyone, I'd really like to meet them. <laughs> right? So, so, so how did Christ change that? He was the sacrifice, right? But he was the type and shadow of that which was an animal, but he was the perfect sacrifice. Has people, has people missed Mark? Sin means missing the Mark. Has people missed the Mark since Christ? Yes. yes. So what was the need of him coming? The need of his coming, he was the end of all sacrifice. He was the one only sacrifice for the past sin, the present sin, and the future sin. He took care of all of it in one time. Boom. And then he sat down. If you go back to the old covenant where, they, where this was carried out, this is a whole teaching for about three weeks in itself, but if you was to go back and you took it to the priest and you took the, the lamb, the sacrifice, whatever it was given to him, this, uh, <clears throat> those who was, was, was ministering this, the priest who would minister this, there was, uh, the furnishings were different. In other words, they, they came, there was no place for them to sit. The priest never sat down, ever. The reason why he never sat down is because his work was never finished. His, his, his work as the, as the priest was going to be ongoing forever because sin was going to be ongoing forever. When Jesus finished his work, he sat down. He sat down. Now, so when the priest of the old covenant and you came for your yearly come to Jesus meeting, so to speak, you came and you brought your best lamb, your best goat, your best calf, and you came in. What the priest did was he examined your sacrifice. What was he examining your sacrifice for? To see if it was up to par, so to speak, for a, a sacrifice for your sins for a year. He was inspecting it, the animal, for blemishes. Make sure it didn't have any, you know, a, a bad eye or a bad leg or a bad hoof or whatever. He was he examining the sacrifice itself. Do you know what he was not examining? He was not examining the person. Right, that's right. He was examining the sacrifice to see if it was worthy to take the guilt of the person. But when we come to church, the church is examining the person. They didn't even do that under the old covenant. I grew up in churches where people want to be membership, and then the, 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 the pastor or the, or you could say, <clears throat> the, the church would, someone comes up and says, I want to join this church. How do I do that? Every church has a different way. Well, we come up and we have to bring it up before the board. Or church I grew up, you, you just came up like this. And then you stood there. And it was an open vote. Anyone ever grew up in a church like that? And, then, and it was the yeas have it and the nays don't. You know, it's just whatever. So it's just a democracy. And I grew up in that church. And I watched people, I watched people be denied fellowship there. And they said, well, they just got born again two months ago. And uh, we just want to watch their life for a while. And in two or three months, we'll, we'll vote on it again. I would never went back to that church. I would have said, take your church and be, have a great day. <laughs> you're you're going to watch my life. I, I'm a born-again Christian with Christ in me. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Christ lives in me. The Holy Ghost, the greater ones live in me. If Jesus comes right now, I'm going to split heaven wide open. And you going to watch me? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Can you see how 
Wow. It, it's a wonder anybody comes to church. Yeah. Right? And so the church ought to embrace them in and love them and brought them into the family of God. They were already in the family of God. They ought to brought them into the family of that church and strengthen them. Yes. But they did the opposite. That couple left and said, I know this day they never ever went to church that I know of. Wow. So, how are we doing? Good. Y'all still happy? Yes, sir. So, we, we live by relying on Jesus moment by moment, and the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Grace. He'll bring out the fruit of righteousness in your life. The Holy Spirit will. You know, they call it the fruit of the Spirit. You know why? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's His fruit in your spirit. It's not some fruit you come up with. The fruit of the who? Of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in His ability. Walk in His might. Walk in His strength. That's how you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Not keep rules. So the old priest, once again, he would examine the animal, see if it qualified. The church now examines the person. So we're never supposed to look at the person. We're supposed to look at the sacrifice. So when you look at Jesus, does he qualify to be an all-sufficient Savior? So we should never examine the person. That's a clue. Now, how do I know that I've submitted myself to the righteousness of God in Christ? That's a good question. Remember Paul said they're going about to establish their own righteousness out of zeal. He said they're, they're ignorant of God's way of being righteous and they're going about to establish their own way of doing it. So how do we know as, how do we know that we are not doing the same thing? How do I know that I've submitted myself to the righteousness of God that comes through Jesus? Uh, several ways, but I'm going to give you five. Start off, I quit asking questions like that. I quit asking, what is it I have to do to have God's favor? What do I have to do to be blessed financially? What do I have to do to be accepted and approved? What do I have to do to be healed? What do I have to do to get my prayers heard? If your answer is anything than trusting Jesus or relying upon Jesus, then you have not submitted yourself into God's way of righteousness. You're still trying to be righteous in your own ability. In other words, it's... I believe Jesus is the Savior. He saved me from my sins. But now I must do this and this and this to stay in compliance. I must add to Him. All of Him and some of me makes a whole. All of Him and none of you makes the whole. See, Christ in you. He didn't need you. He wanted you. We needed Him. He didn't need us to be the all-sufficient Savior. He believes he can do this thing all by himself. Yes. Amen? Amen? Righteousness is like a magnet that will draw whatever you need. The righteousness in you will draw whatever it is that you need into your life, not 10,000 confessions. Do, 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 do. I'm so happy. I can hardly stand it. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The power to overcome sin 
and temptation <clears throat> is found in knowing your righteousness. When believers are continuously falling into sin and temptation, it is because they do not really know who they are in Christ. <clears throat> Meaning that person has an identity crisis. And since they do sin, they now feel like a sinner. Would ask questions like, well, how do I know I have a good heart? Well, how do I know if I'm cold or hot or just warm or lukewarm? Or how do I know since I don't feel? You don't know who you are. Right. See what I'm saying? And if I don't know who I am, and if I think I am and I'm not, and September 3rd, 23rd is coming real quick. Yep. Hmm? I said, well, we're having church Sunday. You can find out. Oh, that's right. They're not here. <laughs> hmm? I mean, don't blow me up at 2 in the morning if you can't make it at 10.30 on Sunday morning. If you can make it. Hmm? So since they feel like a sinner, they now continue in this vicious, this vicious cycle to live like a sinner because that's how they feel. If you feel like a victim in life, how are you going to live? Like a victim, right? If you feel like more than a conqueror, if you know you're more than a conqueror, then how are you going to live life as more than a conqueror? Right. If you think you're stupid, then you're going to walk around and talk about how dumb I am. Right? Right. So since they, they, they feel this way, they, they sin because they feel like a sinner and it's just a vicious cycle. However, the more they see that they've been made righteous apart from works or actions, they are now powered to live righteously. Remember 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Paul says, Awake to your righteousness and then you will sin not. So the problem is a mistaken identity. If you want to change, if you want change in your life, if you, if you just say, well, you know, grace is here and thank God for that. And, you know, I, I do this and I do that and I shouldn't do this, but grace is just here to cover me. It, then, then you've, if you, if you think I'm teaching that, let me tell you right now, I'm not teaching that. Right. If you think that I'm teaching grace, it's just okay, do whatever you want to, live any way you want to. And, you know, God just kind of turns his head, look over that and give you some grace. You're not listening to what I'm saying. That's right. If you go to heaven and you tell Jesus, I said that, I'm going to be right behind you and say, he is a liar. Liar, pants on fire. I did not say that. Sin, sir, will kill you. Yes, it will. Sin will shorten your life. Yes, will. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Sin is rooted in death. Yes. Amen. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross and go to help you three days to keep you in what you in, That's right. but to bring you out. Exactly. But here's how you do it. See, the church is still saying, just, just keep on preaching hotter and hotter and turn up the juice on the electric fence to shock them away from that. In other words, scare them a little bit. Scare them a lot, whatever you got to do. And, but anything that's not of faith is sin. Anything. You say, well, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do all this. I don't take drugs. I don't do, I don't do all this. Well, had you, have you won anybody Jesus this week? Well, not this week. How about last week? Well, not last week. How about last week? Well, not last month. Well, that's the number one thing he told you to do. So you can sin. How can you get people saved? He told you to. It was the Great Commission. Right. Well, uh, well what? <laughs> right? Anything that's not of faith is sin. Yeah. Did, did, did he say forsake not to assemble yourselves together? Somebody did today. <laughs> that right there, sending you right on off, right? 
See, we, it's easy to find somebody else's whatever. Well, I'm tired. I'm tired too. I'm tired from 2.30 text in the morning. I want to sleep in. That's like class start at 10.30 in the morning. Just come on. I'm thinking now it's clear at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> okay. We did all right. We only got this a minute now. Got to hurry. September 23rd is coming. Got to hurry. Got to hurry. Got to hurry. Got to hurry. Got to Got to hurry. Got to If you want to change your life, change what you believe. Hmm? That's right. I, I keep saying the same thing. The church is trying to change the outside of man instead of the inside of man. You say, well, this man has a drinking problem. So we tell him about how that's wrong. And we tell him uh, how bad that is. And we tell him that God's not pleased with him. And we tell him that we, we take him to the uh, 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 drunkards won't be in, in, in heaven. And we, in other words, we, we work on everything external. That's not how you bring change to someone. That's right. Right? right. I mean, w w would, you, would you ladies accept a husband who never told you that she was pretty or beautiful or they loved you? If, if you said, he said, well, okay, I'm just tired of hearing you complain about me never talking to you. So he writes it all down in the card and every day he says, all right, I got to go to work real quick. You're beautiful. You look good. I like your hair. Uh, <laughs> the new shoes? No. Oh, yeah, I found one, sir. Oh, let's see what else. Uh, <laughs> Good supper last night. Well, meatloaf a little bit dry. Uh, uh, have a great day. Bye. Now, that's a beautiful relationship. <laughs> now, he covered it all, I guess. <laughs> Pam, does that, does that, did he just win you over? I'm not, I'm just trying to use some of it. <laughs> but he covered it. What is that? That's just doing all the externals, right? Yeah. You want him to say it when, he, when he's not being asked to say it. You want him to bring something home when it's not your birthday. That's right. It's just because he thought of you and, he wanted, and, and, and the, the expression of that was this. Right? So I, I didn't grow up in a house like that. There wasn't a lot of emotions like that. You know, and I, that, that song that when I was growing up, they said, you don't bring me flowers anymore? It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't do that either. I just like... We was lower middle class income when I grew up, which means we weren't real, we weren't poor, but you know, we were, I don't think we was even quite middle class. So we, we, we bought the things that was necessary, like ice cream. Yes. Right? Yeah. So a couple of times, I hate to admit this, a couple of times I brought my wife flowers and I went by the graveyard to do it. <laughs> I was young. Well, I, I know. No, I won't take that back. We were not married. Oh my gosh, I'm doing this on TV. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I found some, but I asked first. I says, if, if you're not going to need these, can I? I'm a little low on cash this week. Barbara Streisand says, you don't bring me flowers no more. And I need to, and I said, well, I, it, I'm going to, but if you don't say nothing, I'm going to say it'll be yes. <laughs> but they were plastic, you understand? <laughs> and she didn't understand why I brought her plastic artificial flowers. But see, that was logical, too, because they're going to last a while. <laughs> now, see, Nathan, I, I can tell he understands what I'm talking about. He, he's like, 
What's their problem? <laughs> she said, I didn't bring her flowers. I bring her flowers. People said, that, I said, you only have to water these. I was thinking of your time, everything. I was thinking of you totally. Beautiful flowers. And I got permission. I said, speak now forever. Hold your peace. Can I have the flowers? I said, take the flowers. Oh, you need to say something real quick. <laughs> now, I ain't talking about last week. I'm talking about years ago. Years ago. I wasn't even in church. I wasn't pastoring. I'm just like, let me... I did not do this last week. <laughs> I was just probably barely over 20. I was 12. That's what I was. I was 12. <laughs> so if you want to change your life, change it at the, at the heart level. Right. Amen. See, change it at the belief system. Hmm? I mean... Carnal or not carnal. Spiritual things or carnal things. How many, how many here are Auburn fans? Is there anything I can say to bring you over to Alabama side? Is there, is there anything? I mean, what, what if I get you tickets for the rest of the year, Alabama games? If you just swap sides. All the gear, everything. And see, the scripture says, let the ignorant be ignorant still. No, no, I'm <laughs> No, I'm just playing. <laughs> well, that's about all for our sermon today. <laughs> but see, I, I can't even go at the heart level. You can go statistically and say, what's the percentage of wins and losses and this and all that kind of stuff? And, all, and you hear all that, you don't care, do you? I say in your lifetime, you know, they'll win some and lose some more in probably your lifetime. You know, Alabama still has a, you care? No. Your team is still your team. Right? If they lose, you're still your team. You don't go with them. Fire your coach. We don't care so much about that if you lose. But, but my team's still my team. So if, if you just keep going at a guy about his temper or an addiction or whatever it is, and, and you just keep beating on the outside and beat on the outside and say, you bum, you lousy this, you lousy this, and, and you attack that child or that daughter or whatever because she did or she didn't, whatever, and you're trying to get changed, it's the wrong way. Because he didn't do you that way. In your worst time, all he did was love you. Right. Hmm? For all your mistakes, he brought you love. Hmm? Is that true? That's all he did. So in closing, if you want your life to change, then change your beliefs. Change what you believe, not your circumstances. As a man thinketh in his heart, that's who that person is. So I, I, I'd rather disciple people at the heart level because you're always going to believe you. You'll believe some of what I say, but you'll believe everything you say. If you say, yeah, I think I'm best, go get me something to eat. Guess what you're about to go do? If you say, it, 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 which I'm not going to do this. If I were to tell any of y'all, you, you need to uh, dust your house and vacuum your floors. Which I'm not doing that, by the way. That's just a bad illustration. But if you say, I think I'm going to clean the house, what do you usually do? You, you go do it. James 4 says, God gives more grace, more power, more ability to overcome to the humble. God gives more grace, more power, more ability more might, more strength 
to overcome whatever needs to be overcome. When the power of the flesh is stronger, or when the power of flesh is strong, the power of grace, the power of Jesus is stronger. Once again, God's grip of grace is mightier than your grip of hope and struggle to stay with him is. The Holy Spirit convicts unbelievers of the sin of unbelief. When a believer sin, sins, the Holy Spirit does not convict the believer of sin. He convicts them of their righteousness. John 16. He says, but that's not who you are. So you, you, you already know what's wrong, right? So he doesn't need to convict you. To a non-believer, he's not convicting them of the sin they did. He's convicting them of, of their sin, which is of the unbelief that they've placed in Christ as Savior. To the born-again believer, when we make a mistake, we already have Christ in us. We know what's wrong. So he convicts us of our righteousness. Amen. Brings us back into righteousness. First yes. John 1, 9 said, if we, if we make a mistake, if we sin, if we miss the mark, <clears throat> What do we confess? Confess means the same thing. It means to agree, to say the same thing. Hmm? Now this is, this is where everyone goes sideways on grace teaching. This one point, and I'm going to bring it at the end, uh, <laughs> which we don't really have time to do this. But here's where everyone who's pre preaching grace, this is where everybody wants to go sideways. Well, if he's forgiven me my past, present, and future sins, then I don't need to confess sin. And the rest of the Christian world thinking, hmm. And then the whole thing is, well, if I don't need to confess sin, then maybe I have never sinned. Or if I don't need to confess sin, can you see the whole the argument there? Yes. Here's the truth. We'll pick up that next week. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the deal. Uh, has anyone not missed it? No. Is there sin in anybody's life for some measure? Anything's not a faith of sin? Right. right. Let's just say you read your Bible this week. Well, you didn't read it enough. You didn't study the scriptures enough. You didn't do enough evangelistic work. You didn't do enough. So no one meets his standard. So when I confess, when I confess my sin, what am I doing? I'm confessing and I'm agreeing with him about the same thing that he says about my sin. That I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. The reason you can't confess all your sins is because you do not know them. Do you know all of them? Do you know when you might have offended God you didn't even know you offended God? Have you ever been, had your feelings hurt by someone and they didn't even know that they hurt your feelings? Have you ever been somewhat offended by someone and they didn't even, they really didn't even know they said something to, to hurt your feelings or to offend you? Do you think it's possible that we could have offended God and not even know we did it? Yeah. So did you confess to that? No, because you didn't even realize it was possible. You didn't even realize that it happened. So you're not confessing every sin anyway, right? right? Have you ever woke up and before you had your two cups of Folger, maybe your attitude was a little bit, no, I'm not in anyone here. 
Hmm? So no one lives in a perfect way. Me, myself, the way I like to do this, so this is the way, I, this is my heart, believe, do what you want to with it. If I know, I'm, if I miss the mark, if I know that I sinned, Jesus paid for all of it. I believe I'm already forgiven, past, present, and future. But if I know I've made mistakes, I know I've sinned, guess where I'm going? Straight to God. That's right. What am I doing? I'm soul cleansing, not spirit cleansing. Right. See, this is already clean. No, nothing in here got in touch with nothing out there anyway. But I'm soul cleansing. Right? Because if you don't get your soul cleansed, you're, you're in a mess. It's spirit and soul together. This is already clean. This is right with God. This guy in here, he's, he's sinned. He's never touched sin. I, I could say it this way. If you're a born-again believer, you've never sinned one time since you've been born again. On the outward guy, he's running into some trouble. <laughs> Every now and then, right? So I'm soul cleansing. But I see I'm having a relationship with God. Right? So if I know I've, made, I've missed the mark, guess what I'm saying? Father, forgive me. That was wrong. You know it was wrong. I know it was wrong. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that I, but I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. The devil was under my feet the whole time, and I'm moving on. It's forgotten. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Amen. Amen. So, I'm ready right now. I'm ready September 23rd. I hope he does come. Amen. I hope he comes before we have lunch today. Because it's going to be better probably while I'm awake for lunch. <laughs> and it's going to be good, I know. Whatever it is. <laughs> she probably ain't cooking in no way, so I don't really matter. But I do know he's coming. And I do know he's coming back. And I don't know if he's coming back in your lifetime. If he's not, you're going to go see him before he sees you. But he's coming. Amen. So are you ready? Yes. So people ask you these questions, especially believers, just get in there and don't criticize it, but just help them realize, hey, man, you're the righteous God of Christ Jesus. This is, you know, because they're, they're walking in the consciousness of their mistakes. And the enemy's just beating the daylights out of them. And you've got to go back and encourage them to come, encourage them to know who they are, encourage them to, to understand that they've been made righteous by his righteousness. Amen. All righty. Brother Dennis is going to be ministering the words Wednesday night. All right. Stand in room only if you don't get here in a hurry. All right. That's right. We'll seat you best we can, but we don't know what to do if you don't. So we'll open up the foyer and we're going to park so many cars. So you better get in. Amen. Have a blessed day.